Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudarman, and we have another two ultras today from Shanghai, Darren Burns. Darren, how are you? Fantastic, Arun. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm, I can't complain. It's the weekend. And also joining us uh, from Hong Kong, but from a remote location in Hong Kong, Toby Doman. Toby, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Joining you from a secret secret lair somewhere in Hong Kong. A secret statistical lair where you've analysed all <laughs> English batsmen's first-class averages. Crunching those numbers for you. Is it somewhere on the dragon's back in a hidden cave? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Yeah, that would be interesting. So, quite a lot to talk about. This uh, England-India series, obviously, um, the, the, the biggest thing, I guess, going in the cricket world now, and a, a lot of drama. Uh, India coming back to win the third test quite surprising fashion I thought I don't think I think Darren when we did the last podcast I was trying to change my prediction to 5-0 um, but, um, but I think we did we, we did finish the last episode with some big calls and mega calls I think we both particularly thought India would do better in this test maybe not win but they definitely did better and you made a massive call on Murali and the keeper, of course, being on, dropped. On uh, Murali Vijay and Dinesh Karthik on, on the love. the love. We'll, we'll talk about a quadrangular later, but this was the love triangular. No, but it proved to be quite interesting because both of them were dropped from the team, replaced, and India won the test. Make of that what you will. Yeah, I thought dropping Karthik would kind of, you know, solve this, this particular problem in that these two players clearly don't get along and... and and who knows if it was affecting the team. But the, the, the Indian team management went, went one step further and dropped them both, um, which I actually thought was a little bit harsh on, on Murali Vijay because I, he, you know, he's, it looks like he's not coming back. He's 34 years old now, and the, the, the comments coming out of the Indian team are um, that that could be it for him. You know, he hasn't scored a 50 in the last 10 innings. I mean, he did, he did play very well in Johannesburg, but he only scored 25. Have to, to put it into context, um, so that could be it for him. And you know, the, 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 I suppose the the problem here is that India won this Test match so convincingly um, by dropping their two Tamil players. So I'm a little conflicted um, about this victory, uh, but it worked. You have to you have to give the the management credit, I think, for for the decisions. I mean, it, India, India played very well. I feel I feel like they got the better of the conditions in in the way that in the same way that England did in the second test, uh, and I'm not sure there's that much of a gap, um, but between the teams, I don't know if, I don't know if both of you agree with that. Yeah, look, I think the bowling attack from the the Indians has been the the standout pace battery in that test. If you're looking at the likes of Vishant Sharma, who for me is my favourite bowler in the Indian side at the moment, Ahmed Shami's been a bit of a workhorse and Ashwin hasn't had much to do. And just looking, watching Ishant's control and pace and use of the wobbly Dukes ball uh, at Trent Bridge, which is England, an England stronghold, actually, uh, it was really impressive. And they actually bettered England um, in the bowling department. And that's obviously been the difference, but they've been a really impressive um, quartet, I think. I'm a big Jasper Brummer fan. I mean, he's a great one-day one bowler, a great white ball bowler. But I think we saw in this test that he's quite dangerous and a real handful. He's got that sort of Colin Croft action, which is unusual. He, he sort of angles the ball in and away. Uh, he's slippery. He's quite sharp. And now if you look at that Indian attack, it's a quite a sharp attack. 
Uh, you've got Bumra, Ishan, Shami, of course. They're all they're all up on the 85 to 87, 88 miles an hour. They're quite a sharp attack, and they bowl very consistently in that third test. I thought it was um, it was it was eye opening that the Indian pace bowlers were in this test match consistently faster than mm. the English bowlers, um, which is not something you're used to seeing uh, with Indian pace bowlers at all, as as I'm sure both of you are, are would confirm. Um, Let's not forget Hardik Pandya too. He put in a valiant effort. I think nobody saw it coming except for him, according to him. <laughs> um, you know, he, he's, a, he's a confident young man um, and doesn't like to be compared to the greats of the game. He, his name is Hardik. You know, he, is not, <laughs> he is not a former all-rounder that was a star World Cup winning player <laughs> for India. Yeah, he is Hardik. He is Hardik. He is Pandya. Um, he was quite impressive. I mean, he, he bowled with good control and the ball nipped around. Um, I thought they did well, but I, but I thought the Indian batting in the first dig was outstanding. Um, they were sent in by Joe Root. Um, I was really impressed, of course, with Kohli. I mean, Kohli's always impressive. And he's leading, leading, I think he's double the average of anybody else in this series. Well, except, except for Chris Wokes. More, more than double the total number of runs of anyone else yeah. in this series. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Chris Wokes is averaging 70 plus. Uh, but that's probably an anomaly. Um, yeah. But he was impressive, obviously, in that first dig, uh, along with um, um, uh, Rahani. Of course, in the second in the second dig, Pajara scored as well. But what I was really impressed with the, with the batting was was to be honest um, was Pandya and Pant in the first innings. Both of them faced eighty or ninety balls each, I think, from memory. Um, didn't score many runs, but really stuck at it and really applied themselves. And I guess they were helped also, you know, to a degree by the atrocious catching by the slip cordon from England yet again. I think they've dropped, um, I think they've dropped um, Coley four times in the series uh, when he scored hundreds. So they're not doing themselves any favours. But, you know, I thought they really stuck in in the first innings and they put the runs on the board and that proved to be the big difference, really. Yeah, I think um, I was surprised, actually, at how well India batted. I think, especially after the second test, now, I think conditions were easier for them in, in Trent Bridge, no question. But in particular, Shikhar Dhawan, when he came out and he scored, um, he scored 30-40, I think, in each, in each innings, which, which doesn't sound like a lot. But for him, that's a mountain, given the way he'd been batting <laughs> in the first two tests. And he really changed his style. And I was, really, I was actually impressed because he's never really, de- you know, demonstrated that he can bat against quality pace bowling. I think there was one mm. tour to New Zealand where he did okay in, in somewhat similar conditions. Um, but he was playing the ball very late. He'd made some really big adjustments. Um, and I think the Indian team management got it right in dropping Vijay, bringing back Dawan. And, you know, if, if you had told me before the match they were going to do that, I would have said they were wrong. So they deserve a lot of credit for that. And he deserves a lot of credit for the hard work, I think, that he's put in. Because in both of the innings, the Indian openers put up 60 um, without loss, which really helps, really blunt, and not just the, the score, but the amount of time they spent at the crease. They really blunted uh, the impact of the new ball. Um, and that, yeah, and that made a huge difference. So just, just looking actually at the statistics for those opening pairings for Darwin, uh, Darwin in the first innings scored uh, 35 off 65 balls and 44 off 63 in the second. So almost identical 
uh, strike rate and six, uh, seven boundaries versus six. But as you say, that blunting impact, which England don't have the luxury of an opening pairing that can consistently do that. And, and you know, what's happened to classic opening pairings nowadays, you know, putting 150 on for the first wicket, it's, you don't often see that anymore. You don't. I mean, this was in yeah. India's first test stand of over 50 um, away from home for something like five years. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, it just doesn't happen. When you put on an opening stand like that too, the confidence that it builds in the dressing room too is immeasurable as well, right? When you're coming out to bat at three and then four, when you've got a decent score on the board, you feel a lot more relaxed and calmer at the crease. When you're running out in the first over or second over, it does put a real shudder through the dressing room. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I found it a very relaxing test to watch. In both innings, there were there were periods of <laughs> relaxing <laughs> two or three hours where India didn't lose a wicket, and you know that that's just unheard of these days. I mean, it was unbelievable, really. That in, in the first innings, Rahane, who I thought really batted beautifully, and, and again out of nowhere, he really looked all at sea in the first two tests, um, and in the second innings, Pujara um, not just batted well but ran well. Which is another you know important thing for him, um, yeah. and you know both in both cases it was very, it was it was like watching Test cricket the way it should be played I think, um, in that the, the batsmen were quite willing to to bat time and and, and the runs will come, I guess so, um, so yeah huge turnaround I think I mean no one's well not no one I think only two teams have won a five Test series after coming back from two nil down before and the last time was in 1938 or something. So I don't know if that's, uh, I mean, what, what do you guys think? Possible or not? Look, I think India have got it all to do. I think Southampton is a, it's, it's a relatively benign pitch where Hampshire play. James Vince, of course, is back in the squad as backup following Johnny Bairstow's finger injury. So he's playing on home turf if he gets the nod, but we'll see. But I think, as you say, it's going to be a tough one to come back to win. Uh, and it will be an almighty win if they can. Um, but you have to say the wind is in their sails now. England have collapsed multiple times in this series and save for Stokes in the second innings and Butler's heroics, that would have been another catastrophic second inning. So the momentum is with India. I mean, if it's going to be another a flattish wicket or flatter than the first three, you'd probably put the, you'd rate the Indian bowlers, wouldn't you? I think that they probably look a better bowling attack on a flat deck than the English bowlers do. Um, but obviously time will tell. Um, just going back to that third test though, I, I did want to highlight you know, Joss Butler again shining with, with Stokes coming back in the form of the bat, it seems. They, they have put on a great partnership um, to try and save the test, but Joss Butler goes from strength to strength, I think. Yeah, I mean, he, he was dropped uh, on one by Rashab Pant, uh, although it was a pretty tough chance. Um, but he looked very good. Party pooper. Yeah. <laughs> well, every, you know, to be honest, you, you can't hold it against anyone because every, everyone is getting dropped. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some, some worrying signs for England, not just the slip catching which was, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't even say schoolboyish because that's an insult to schoolboys everywhere. Village. <laughs> Not even village. I think plenty of village teams I played in that, that would have caught a number of those chances. I think the other thing, though, with England, there's this stat that they have now lost 10 wickets in a session, is it three times in the last two years? Um, and that's really no way to, to, to play test cricket. Um, so for England, looking forward... Obviously, Bairstow's got that injury. They've recalled James Vince. Moeen Ali seems to be scoring runs for fun. Um, Toby, what are you expecting uh, in the fourth test 
in the way of changes. I mean, it's, it's Alistair Cook is hopelessly out of form as well. He is. He's looking out of touch. And I've just got an, an interesting stat here. I said I've been crunching numbers for you. Um, Ishant Sharma now has Alistair Cook out 10 times. Uh, and we've got a list of other Indian greats. Kapil Dev um, got Graham Gooch out 11 times in his career. David Gower, Kapil Dev also 10. Alan Border, Kapil Dev also got 10 times. So Ishant Sharma creeping up into that sort of top list of bunny uh, bunny makers. So <laughs> Alistair Cook is hopelessly out of form, as you say. Joe Root, for the first time in his career, also looks out of touch. Even when he's been mm. uh, you know, not converting 50s to 100s, there's still been runs. And this is probably the first time in his England captaincy that he's looked um, hopelessly out of form. So the changes are, won't affect Root and probably not Cook, but Johnny Bairstow's broken finger means a decision has been made for the England selectors, which probably should have been made a year or so ago, where he probably will bat as a specialist batsman with Butler taking the gloves uh, and batting a bit higher. I think uh, Pope has to move down a position. This is two positions higher than he's ever batted at county level, and he plays with very hard hands and fast yes. hands. And so when you're playing against a, a new ball, he's really got to learn. He's got to drop his hands. So I think that might change his position as well. The Ollie Pope thing is interesting. You know, batting county six at number six, basically his whole career, his short career anyway, and then putting him to number four for England seems like a real stretch and, and putting a lot of pressure on the young guy. Yeah, it, it does. It doesn't look quite right. I mean, he's obviously got a lot of a lot of talent, and uh, um, I think you know you hope he'll 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 get a, a decent run. But his dismissals in in this in this match were not were not particularly impressive. And I think Jennings has got to be uh, considered to be lucky to survive. His slip catching, in particular, was poor, uh, and he looks like he's regressed back to that very cement in your boots type approach to footwork and he's looking like he's he's going to get out every ball so there are problems at the top again that's not a new issue um but they're moving the deck chairs around to, to suit and i think they'll stick with jennings for this one because there really isn't any depth in the opening rory burns i think is the next cab on the rank as they say but there isn't an awful lot of depth there yeah that's right i mean do you, do you think either vince or moeen ali will come in well, Moeen can't do more than score, what is he scored 219 against a strong Yorkshire side and then got an 8-4. Um, you know, he should be batting higher um, with England and he's been working with Sakhalin Mushtaq uh, while he's been out of the England side on a freelance basis. So there's not, not much more he can do. So there's an interesting headache for the selectors given Rashid hasn't had that much to do and done nothing wrong. No, I, think, I think, you know, we always talk about James Vince, but I mean, he is, he is in pretty good form this season, isn't he? He's come off 100, and I think he's averaging 56 in the, in the county championship. So, you know, he's in good form, but they seem to bring him in and out all the time. I mean, it's, yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see what they actually go with. I, I've got to say, I've not been convinced by Vince. Um, you know, in the Ashes, he was uh, not particularly impressive. Well, in the Gabba, in the first game, you remember he was run up by Nathan Lyon. He was batting beautifully. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's the thing. He look, he looks like a million bucks, and then he's got eighty, yeah, eighty or so. Yeah, he just—it's a pity. He's, he's sort of Mark Waresky. He looks really good. He just never really goes on with it, does he? No, I, I, I think if it was a choice between Moeen and Vince, I, I would, I would go for Moeen every time. Not only because he he brings bowling as well, and he had a very good Test match at the Aegeus um, in in twenty fourteen. Um, you know, he he ran through the the Indian batting lineup then. For India, some interesting developments. Uh, yes. Not just that Murali Vijay potentially has played his last Test match at the age of 34. Uh, they've brought in two batsmen. They've dropped um, Vijay. They've also dropped Kuldeep Yadav, which kind of makes sense. That was a, a strange one, bringing him in for the second Test. 
and they brought in Prithvi Shaw, who I think we we all know pretty well. You know, he's he mm. is a very exciting young Indian opening batsman. Has, has done very well in the IPL. Has done very well under nineteens, and has done uh, quite well on the first class circuit as well. Um, he looks like he's the next long term opening prospect for India that they want to groom. Um, but you know, I, I can't see him getting getting selected for the fourth. Test. Then they've also brought in another batsman, Hanuma Vihari, who um, I will confess I didn't know much about, uh, mainly because he's not really a big name in the IPL, is he? I mean, he's not. Uh, no. he, I'm not even sure who he plays for in the IPL, um, if at all for anyone. Instead, this is a guy who has the highest first-class average um, of all current Indian Correct. batsmen. Right. Correct. Twenty-four years old. Just short of scoring, sixty, I think. Yeah, 24 years old, he's just scoring runs for fun in the Ranji Trophy. So you can't say it's a left-field selection, really. I mean, he's, he's, he's done what's been asked of him. Um, but again, I can't, really see, I can't really see India making any changes. I would, this may be the first time ever that Virat Kohli picks the same team. Yeah, I think if Ashwin is injured, they'll bring in Jadeja. Um, yeah, yeah. And the only option would be for them to drop Kale Rahul, perhaps, and bring in... Um, pretty sure, but I. But seems like a long shot, doesn't it? I don't think they will. I think Rahul looked okay, um, especially in the second innings. Yeah, um, he scored thirty six of thirty three balls. Uh, so I think they they probably feel like at the very least he's he's getting some value for his shots. Um, I, I can't, yeah, I, I I'd be surprised if India made any changes unless unless Ashwin's injury is is worse than than we're being told. Um, but we, I, before we before we move on. I just wanted to to draw attention to Ravi Shastri's amazing interview. Uh, <laughs> I I always feel like every time Ravi Shastri gives an interview that you know, it sh- should be required reading um, for everyone. Just the, the level of hyper hyperbole uh, is the, the the biggest overseas win. Um, he did kind of say it was during his four years with the team, but all the headlines have been this is India's biggest overseas win. Um, or, or finest overseas win, and, and to be honest with you, it's it's not far off. I think it could could well be India's finest overseas Test win. I think there's maybe only a couple of other matches that you might rank higher, um, heading the 2002 and maybe um, Johannesburg in 2006. Uh, so just some great lines here about uh, Don Bradman's team was the only team to have won from two 0 down in 1936-37. Is this something you're going to tell the boys? To which Shastri replied, 1936-37, I wasn't even born, man. Why are you reminding me of 36-37? There's a <laughs> one game at a time. There's a break and we move to Southampton and start afresh, take a fresh guard, 2018. I mean, this is like, he should have his own app, I feel. Just come out with random statements that kind of inspire you ahead of... <laughs> Inspiration. I think what you missed there, Arun, was that I'm reading this. Is apparently he winked on just saying that 2018. Oh, did so he? He's really, he's really loving himself at the moment. Yeah, really loving it. Well, if you watch the video, he does. He also looks like he's been on a three-day bender. I mean, <laughs> maybe he has. <laughs> maybe, but whatever he's doing, it worked. It works in the third test. Uh, it's, it's it's worth me putting your attention quickly before we're talking about interviews. Actually, there's a there's a little bit of a spat involving the BBC's Jonathan Agnew and the Indian team's media officer, uh, Mulin Parikh, Parikh, I think his name, yeah. 
Um, and I just wondered what you, if you knew anything about him. I've, I've had a look into it, basically, just for, for listeners. Uh, apparently, uh, Mr. Parrott refused an interview for Mr. Agnew with Virat Kohli at the end of the, of the test, which is customary that the rights holders, in this case BBC, would have access to the, to the captain, particularly as he won. But that was refused, and there was all sorts of, sort of uh, silliness on Twitter. But do you, you know, do you know anything about him? Is he a particularly strong character, this uh, media officer, and, and what's going on? I think uh, I don't know much about him beyond just, you know, I've followed, had a, had a look at his Twitter, so I can't say I know him particularly well. Um, but this kind of behaviour from, from BCCI employees is not unheard of, um, is, is probably what I would say. And, and I think in this case, he's, he's, got, it, he's got it completely wrong. Um, but, you know, that's, the BCCI does sometimes operate like a law un, unto themselves. Um, and I think... It's a real shame because I think Coley, you know, wouldn't have had any issue doing the interview at all. Um, but you, you, you do sometimes get these kind of jobs worths in these um, in these roles at the BCCI, and, yeah. and he's he's clearly, I guess, uh, th- thrown his weight around a little bit. Um, but at least their officials don't go around wearing wearing um, Sunny Bill William Williams masks to make fun of David Warner, as <laughs> South African officials have done. Um, so, so they're still not too bad. <laughs> they're not a bad bunch. Hasn't got that far yet. Um, so uh, India had, don't really have any major issues concerning them for the next test. Doesn't look like Bhuvneshwar Kumar is going to come back in this series. So Darren, over to you now. Are you going to give us an update on goings-on in the Caribbean Premier League? I think before we get to that, why don't we review our, revisit our predictions um, oh. and maybe even hear Toby's prediction for the rest of the series how do you think the final score will be, uh, Toby? Um, I think as we get towards the end of the, the British summer, we're going to get see see more rain-affected matches. So I think there's one draw in here somewhere. Uh, so I'm going to go for a draw, weather-affected draw at Southampton uh, and an England win at the Oval. Ooh, fighting talk. I actually called I actually <laughs> yes. called 3-1 because I, I thought there might be a, a washed-out game towards the end. So... Are you sticking with your four-one, or are you going? Five, you can't go five-nil anymore, Arun. I'm going three-two <laughs> India. Oh, well, there we go. See the leopards. <laughs> the leopards really changing its spots, huh? From from four, from five-nil to three-two. I've been I've been listening to Ravi Shastri on a loop, yeah. and I feel like anything's possible now. Take a and winking. Take a fresh guard. Twenty eighteen. Actually, you know what? I think England are going to win the next Test match. I think. I actually think 4-1 doesn't look far off. Because I, 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 I don't think in England... I mean, I know they, they have problems, but I don't think there is such a big gulf between these teams. And I think England will play a lot better than they did in the last Test match. Uh, and, I, you know, what we're seeing is it only takes one, one partnership, maybe two, to swing the match. It's, 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 it's not a high bar. It doesn't feel like this is another discussion for maybe another podcast. But the the fact that visiting teams, you know, they rarely succeed abroad in, let's say, foreign conditions, and it's increasingly polarizing the game where you get, you know, sides going to Australia and you know, their English team can't cope with the flat, hot conditions, but the the Aussies struggle when it hoops around up north. It, it's it's not for today, but it's just interesting to see that that's increasingly difficult to win away from home and win convincingly. Yeah, well, you know what Ravi Shastri says about that? He said, India are now nearly the best traveling team in the world. I'm not entirely sure what that means, but I think what he's trying to get across is India has, has whenever they travel, they do lose, but they're not getting whitewashed. Hmm. It, he's probably right. 
either them or South Africa, potentially. Yeah, anyway. I kind of thought South Africa had a, had a pretty good shout to say they were the best traveling team in the world. Or maybe even New Zealand, if, if we were actually going to take them seriously. <laughs> which we're not, of course. No, which so, we're not. So, so Ravi Shastri is the new Anthony, the Anthony Robbins of cricket. <laughs> I must watch the. I haven't watched the interview. I must watch. I must watch that. Uh, yeah, watch. There's there's a couple actually out there. It's, it's funny how he he never says anything when they lose. He just comes out when they win, and kind of basks <laughs> basks in the glory. A, a, a true leader. <laughs> a true leader. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So the CPL, the Caribbean Premier League, is billed as the best party in cricket. Um, That's what Boyd, Chris Gale said. And boy, there's a lot of rum drinking in that crowd. Uh, it looks like a fun party, actually. Um, yeah, so I, I've been watching a few of the games because they're on early in the morning in, in uh, Shanghai. So I often have a little coffee and my breakfast and sort of catch up on one of the games. Um, it's been interesting. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's getting much better, but it's still a bit village. Um, there's been some shocking catching. The other night I saw really? three or four regulation uh, outfield catches put down. Some of the lights look a bit dodgy. It looks quite dark uh, in the outfield, but regulation cricket catches on the on the outfield is put down like within the space of two or three overs. Um, so a bit village. Well, this is um, this is the perfect destination for Alistair Cook then, surely. Now that his <laughs> as his career winds down, I mean, You're you know, man. not only not only will his strike rate not be a problem, but neither will his catching. Anyway. Does he like a, Does he like a good party though? Yeah, that, no, he's a quiet yeah, boy, isn't he? That could be a problem. A that quiet could be a Essex problem. Man. Yeah, he likes a tractor. Yeah, Combi- <laughs> combined harvester, doesn't he? And his galosha boots. Um, yeah, so shocking catching. There's been some interesting hitting, though. Of course, There's, you know, if you want to watch sixes being hit, you can do worse than watch some of the CPL games. The Bravo brothers have been at it. Of course, Kyron Pollard, and of course, Andre Russell, the most valuable player in global T20 cricket, has been on the warpath as well. Um, wow. Smashing sixes. You know, I think the other night, Darren Bravo hit. I think 12 sixes within 15 balls. Uh, it was just uh, real, real rubbish bowling, but um, yeah, putting about <laughs> everywhere. Um, there's, some real, there's some really overweight players in this uh, tournament, so switch it on and have a look. And some of these guys, you just don't see them in the IPL anymore, do you, or the Big Bash? Um, actually, if I watch some of the Vitality, the Vitality Blast, there are some couple of overweight, unfit-looking oh, yeah. gentlemen oh, yeah. running around that league, but there's some really big boys um, <laughs> that enjoy their McDonald's by the looks of it. And a good rum after the. Where the, are they from? Um, are, they, are they West Indian players? Or are they from other countries? Mostly West Indian players, yeah. You remember that Bermudan cricket player, the guy who took that amazing catch in the 2007 World Cup, and he was a. I mean, he must have been the largest, the largest international cricket player I've seen. He, he I mean, maybe there's a few from Bermuda. Uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Leverock, that's I think his the name guy, is. That's the guy. Look at look at Tobes pulling <laughs> it out. Um, He's on fire today. Yeah, so, you know, there's been, I think Kieran Pollard is on the top of the runs list at the moment, and a guy called G.D. Phillips. Now, where is G.D. Phillips from? The second highest run scorer. Is this Glenn Phillips? Is that Glenn? To, to his mum. That's yeah. right. So where is he from, Tobes? Oh, I don't know. I'm, are we allowed to guess? So, yeah, you can guess. He, is he a Kiwi? He, yeah, but he was born somewhere else. Where was he born? No idea. They're always born in South Africa, right? Yeah, I've never heard of this guy. He's um, 21 years old, a young guy. Um, and a keeper, pretty handy. Um, can really smack, smack the ball around. So he's been a fine for me. Never really heard of him before. Um, the rest. Yeah, but who, who's, usual... he, who's he? Who's um, he qualified for? He's playing for New Zealand, but he, I don't. I don't think he's played an international. I don't recall it. Maybe he has played a T20 or a or a one day game. I, I, don't, I don't know if he has. 
that state of affairs won't last long if he hasn't played for New Zealand. He, he, will, he will get drafted in soon, I'm sure. Um, and of course, the bad boys, David Warner and Steve Smith, are doing better. Steve Smith was mad of the match the other night for a 60-odd and two wickets um, that turned the match. And so he was bowling. He hasn't bowled, I think, in T20s for five years. I don't know why he doesn't bowl more and work on his bowling. Um, he's reasonably handy. So those two have sort of been quietly going along and getting back into their stride, um, which is good to see. Um, and, of course, on the bowling side, it's very interesting. Your, your friend Mitchell McLennigan from New Zealand is in the top five. Um, good, and good Lamashani, Lamashani from Nepal, of course, has been bowling beautifully. Uh, this, the young spinner, I think he's picking up a couple of wickets every time. Imran Tahir, with his ridiculous celebrations, is right up there as well. And we have an American in the top three most wickets. Can anyone guess who the American is? Is it Justin Verlander? Justin, Justin Bieber? Bieber? No. <laughs> Justin Bieber, yeah. He's, he's is Canadian. It, is it Justin Bieber? He's Canadian. No, I was going with Justin Verlander. He's the, uh, the, the, the baseball player. No, it's Ali Khan. Oh, okay. Is he, I assume he's... Um, where's he... His, back, his background is from one of the Asian countries? Yeah, Pakistan. Perhaps. Pakistani. Okay. All right. But he's qualified for the US. Yeah, he is. Um, so, so, you know, if you want to see some entertainment, turn it on, watch some drop catches, watch, watch the crowd go nuts, um, and listen to the great co commentary from Danny Morrison, of course. Uh, Darren, I had a question for you about uh, the bad boys, so to speak. What's the, what's the sort of feeling in Australia that these guys are obviously in exodus at the moment? And paying their penance, are they, is there a feeling in, in Australia that they're paying too high a price, or is this justified uh, jail time and in inverted commas? Yeah, I think I think nowhere else in the world at the moment is outrage more important than in Australia. Um, you just saw recently where we changed our prime minister again um, <laughs> yeah. this week twice. There were two votes, and I think they finally kicked him out. Um, and just the outrage and vitriol on Twitter is incredible, and it goes away within a couple of days, and everyone forgets about it. So I, I think that's probably happened with these guys. Um, the pouring of outrage was even took me by surprise. I think, um, you know, what they what they did is they rubbed a bit of sandpaper on a ball, you know. Um, but I, I think people are probably ready for them to come back. It'll be interesting to see when the summer comes around again. Um, you know, Cameron Bancroft is available in December, I think, to play first class cricket, and the other two in, in end of March or early April. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when they start playing again. I think people are okay with Stephen Smith and Cameron Bancroft. I think a bit like Alex Hales in the Stokes hearing, um, you know, Warner was thrown under the bus a bit and has always been considered that sort of bad boy. So um, let's see how he, he responds. I mean, it's a real, I think it's going to be really tough for him psychologically. Um, I know that he's touring the West Indies with his wife and kids just so he doesn't get in trouble, I guess. He probably gives him a curfew and make sure he doesn't get out and headbutt or punch somebody in the face. Um, he, he, he's going to really struggle and I think, I hope he gets through it, but it's going to be tougher for him, I imagine. Yeah, it's, it, there's been a conspicuous lack of support for David Warner, um, whereas Steve, you know, it's, when you when you see people talking about it, it's you have kind of Bancroft and Smith in one camp, and then you have David Warner, and it's almost like David Warner's like a he's like a, on a different planet, and he's you know I don't I don't know what's gone into it. He doesn't seem to have that many friends in the team, despite I think being the vice captain. Yeah, maybe yeah. he's maybe there's a there's a you know he's. He's big news. He, he, he definitely, definitely had a huge public image. There was all the stuff about how he was going to run for office. Right. And, and maybe there was a bit of hubris there and, and people were waiting for the fall. 
And I think let's not be too harsh on him, right? People always look for a scapegoat because it's an easy solution, right? I think it's not an easy solution. I think it was an endemic, systemic problem uh, that led to it. I don't think it's some kind of like one-off thing. And I, I think it's, dif it's difficult and unreasonable to blame one person, but it's very easy to do that, um, to throw one person under the bus. So let's see how he responds and hopefully he does respond. Well, Steve Smith has now been overtaken. It's, I love the way that Virat Kohli keeps overtaking and then being overtaken by Steve Smith. It's like, <laughs> it's yeah, brilliant. it's like when you have those elections and a dead man wins. Yeah. And you know when that happens, it's always really strange. Even though Steve Smith is not playing, he's still... Hold on, still... hold on a minute. What? what did dead men win elections in India? Yeah, no, it's happened. No, no, in, in, it's happened in America. You mean... It happened in, uh, in America when uh, if, if, if a candidate died, but it was so close to the election that they, that they kind of continued and, and um, he, he won the election. It was in Minnesota <laughs> or somewhere. Look it up, seriously. <laughs> they went with the election anyway. Yeah, well, I think they, his, his, his wife kind of just continued it, but it was still in his name. Like the ballot was was in his name. You, you sure this wasn't Fargo? The next series of Fargo or something? <laughs> that would be a good idea for the Actually, next it's a great series idea. of Fargo. Let's, let's and I would, that. and I think Ravi Shastri would make a great villain yeah. in Fargo as well. He, he can be the guy who walks in, comes into town, the Billy Bob Thornton type, the sort of <laughs> you know evil guy in the background, you know, manipulating the whole scene. Absolutely. I mean, there are many things Shastri could do, and more than one person has said to me that after Imran Khan winning uh, the the you know, winning the, the Pakistan election, surely Shastri would have had a look at that. And, uh, and maybe, maybe, I mean, he's, I don't think Shastri's necessarily the brightest bulb, but even he would have, have kind of looked at that and, and thought about himself. Armed with all these best platitudes and one-liners. Exactly. <laughs> <That'd be great. laughs> what could go wrong? But anyway, yes, look it up. I'm pretty sure it was in Minnesota when, um, when this happened in politics. Not that Stephen Smith, of course, I don't want to, to, to suggest he has... Um, suggest his demise but um he obviously is not playing test cricket uh still has retained the number one spot uh until last week Virat Kohli has has overtaken him um Virat Kohli's batting really well he's a good batsman I think I think we have to agree on this well well said <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> well put indeed he's, Aaron. Yeah, he's, he's a good he's, batsman yes he is good at batting yeah he's a good batter um all right um, I, I, another bit of snip, a snippet I saw this week was that um, you know Watto has has somehow got the Sydney Thunder to buy Joss Butler and Joe Root for the upcoming BBL T Twenty series, which is a pretty good get. So this is Shane Shane Watson, right? Who, yeah, Watto's the captain of Sydney. He's the Thunder. captain. Okay, right. Okay, and so Joss Butler, obviously no brainer. Um, I mean, Toby, what did you think about Joe Root being picked for a BBL team? Yeah, it's good. I think it's good for him. He's stated publicly that he wants to catch up um, in terms of the skill set in that short form game. He feels he's missed out over the last couple of years. So he's squeezing it in between the winter tour, I think, to Sri Lanka at the first half of that uh, BBL season. And one, one thing is quite interesting, you know, Root says he wants to catch up on the game because it's just evolving so quickly at that uh, T20 level. But ironically, it's actually his test vice-captain that's actually pushing the, the envelope of that form himself amongst others. So it's quite interesting that they're you know, teammates, but they're actually at different ends of the scale in terms of innovation and creativity as a batsman in that form. Yeah, so you have the England captain and the England vice captain in the Sydney team, which is quite interesting. I'm a little surprised. Am I the only one who's surprised that he got picked for a BBL team? I mean, he he can't get an IPL gig. Look, I think I, I think there are less international players in the BBL, and and of course the Indian players 
apparently not allowed to play in the BBL, which is a real pity. I mean, if some of the Indian yeah. players could play at least even a few of the matches or one round, I think there's there's two rounds this year. They play each other once. So you can imagine that the TV rights in India would be an astronomical if you had Kohli playing in the BBL and it'd be such, it'd be even better. I mean, it'd, be, it'd probably be the best attended uh, T20 in the world. It would be amazing if we get some Indian players playing and even some of the Pakistani players. Yeah, but that's what they're worried about. They don't want it to be the best attended. It would be amazing if they could play. Yeah, uh, I think I think Root probably needs to look to, to Kane Williamson, right? Um, Kane Williamson has really evolved his game from being a very sort of classical number yeah, three don't batsman. we all? Yeah, but, but I mean, if you look at the, B, you know, the IPL last time, he really shone. I mean, he really came to the fore and could actually start to clear the boundary and be more innovative in his, in his stroke play, yet keeping his, his, his classical approach. And I think he's probably a real somebody to look at for Root. Interestingly, the Ben Stokes as they appears to have gone uh, turned into some sort of a pariah uh, post his uh, punch-up woes. But I think one of the the, the Sydney franchises are less interested in him now uh, for obvious reasons because they have a very family-orientated brand, don't they? The BBL. Yeah, we talked about this last week. I think, um, yeah, Chris Gale hasn't been invited back. He sort of had an infraction a couple of years ago. Tried to hit onto one of the um, female commentators and was sort of booted out. And I think you know the video of young kids seeing him punching up those people, regardless of whether he was guilty or not. I mean, I think it's not a good look, right? So I, I don't think he'll be invited. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so anyway. So we've talked a little bit about love triangles on Cricket Ultras, <laughs> Darren. Do you want to maybe take this further and discuss the, the A-team quadrangular in Bangalore that's currently ongoing? Oh, I forgot about that thing. Um, I think, first of all, it was a great idea to have a tournament during monsoon season um, in India. <laughs> so I, I, think, I think the first four games were washed out. Um, and there's two, there's two India teams. There's India A and India B versus South Africa A and Australia A. And the, there was, there's been one game, two games so far, both Indian teams won. The Indian team absolutely thrashed the Australian team, who, is, who has 10 international players uh, in the 11. They absolutely killed them. They bowled them out for like 150, I think. Uh, and they cruised through. And South Africa were also punished by the other Indian teams. So you know, th- things are looking good for Indian cricket. There's a whole bunch of these people coming through, and I, we've talked about this before, and I think it's a lot of it is the IPL. These young guys get a chance to play with these international players, and they have no fear, and they come into the international game, and they do really well, and there's so many good players there. I, th- I would urge a little bit of caution, just because I think some of the players coming through, I think they definitely are hungry, and, and they're not intimidated, but whether they can bat in all conditions around the world is, is, a, is a different a thing, as, as we've seen in England, right? Yeah, one, one guy to watch out for, I've, I think I've talked about him before, is this young Australian fast bowler called Jai Richardson. I think he's about 20 or 21. The other night when they were bowled out for 150, I think he took three wickets and he had, he had the opposition. They were 20 for four, chasing 150. Uh, he was quite quick and sharp, and he, he looks like a really good bowler for the future in Australia. Test cricket is in good health. I think we needed a closer uh, series, just going back to England-India, uh, final point. Uh, I think we're glad to see that it's competitive. It's good to see India. And, and actually, it's been played in a really good spirit. I saw Butler being clapped off and handshakes all around. I know India, India were winning heavily then, but it seems to have just gone up to the line of competitiveness without overstepping like the Australia-South Africa series last, uh, last year. So it's been good to see. Good to yeah, see. it's been fine, apart from... Um... Stuart Broad's send-off to Rishabh Pant, which was, uh, uh, I think he, he got fined 15% of his match fee for that. Stuart Broad. What do you expect from Stuart Broad? Anyway, I, look, I, look I, my original prediction was 3-1. Uh, 
England. I wouldn't be surprised if India wins the next, next match. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes 2-2. If it goes 2-2 and then we have a final game, it's going to be super exciting. So I'm really hoping for a 2-2. Final test at the Oval. That would be something. I mean, I'm just glad to see an Indian bowling attack put it together, especially Ishant Sharma. I mean, we, as Darren, we've talked about this before. We've, yeah. I think we've been waiting for a, a decade for him to bowl like this. Uh, and his, his stint in county cricket seems to have really paid off. He's, I've seen the stats and he's pitching the ball up yeah. um, a lot more than he did on, the, on his last tour to England. Yeah. He's, he's getting the ball to swing, which has never happened before. He's been predominantly a seam bowler. And he's now um, just behind Jimmy Anderson in terms of both wickets taken and uh, for the best average in the series. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's sort of August well for their tour to Australia later in the year, well, actually in the Australian summer, which will be, I think it's the, the tour starts in late January or February, but does, I think yeah. they might win that and have a, a great chance of winning that, winning that series. We shall see. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you all so much. Um, thank you all for listening. We'll be back with Cricket Ultra soon.